0: Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, two big stories to hash over this morning and work through. One, Larry Krostowiak is out at the University of Utah. And two, the Utah Jazz get a win on the road in Boston. Uh, As far as the Jazz win, it was not perfect. (laughs) <laughs> there were there were ebbs and flows to the game. There were issues. There were you know, big turnover problems early. Not so much late, although a couple that looked really poorly timed. Uh, but you can't really complain when you only have four turnovers in the second half. So they really cleaned that up after 11, I think 13, with some shot clock violations in the first half. Uh, so 17 looks like a big number, but really much better in the second half. Donovan Mitchell didn't shoot the ball well in the game. But, man, did he make two immense three-pointers late in the game. The Jazz lead had gone down to one in the final few minutes. And he had a three to make it four. And the Jazz got a stop, popped the ball loose. He scooped up the loose ball, raced ahead. Found Mike Conley in the corner for a three, and the lead went right to seven. And when Boston tightened the game up again, Mitchell hit another big three. And uh, he was not shooting the ball well and went in the lane and got a shot blocked, which started a Boston fast break. But uh, it cannot underline <laughs> the clutchness of those two three-pointers late in the game. And the Jazz get the win. Rudy, Rudy really went to work. Blocked a lot of shots, challenged a lot of shots, changed a lot of shots, had a dunk in traffic that was very impressive in the fourth quarter. Um, He got in the game in the fourth quarter, and the Jazz got rolling. So we got the best of the Jazz postgame show coming up. As the Jazz get, I I think it's when it's got to feel good. Uh, Boston doesn't have a great record. They're now one game over 500, so they're the very definition of mediocre. But they got a couple talented players. And the jazz have struggled with teams like this So recently as Golden State, you know five hundred team, but a couple of talented players, certainly steph Curry, very talented, and uh the jazz got it done. think 's got to feel good they're two and one since the break now they're going to washington washington's got major issues it's certainly a winnable game. Get that, and then you can talk about finishing the trip strong um, so we'll see we'll see if they can back up uh, one good game with another it was It was not a great game, but it was a good game, and I thought they really competed. And uh, you know Conley, uh, Ingles, Ingles and Clarkson came in, and that that bet unit with Niang and Clarkson and Ingles, uh, that was they were they were strong. The game, the Jazz were really struggling when they came in, and they got it rolling. The Jazz had the one point lead at the half, uh, trailed by two going to the fourth quarter, and found a way to win the game. So good W. Jazz now five and five in the last ten, two and one since the All Star break. So we got more of the jazz coming up. We got the best of the jazz post game show on the way. Uh, the other big story yesterday was Larry Kristoviak out at the University of Utah. Uh, the buyout uh, is over six million dollars. I saw a couple reports that it might be a little over seven actually. Um, the U in the release they sent out said that it would be handled, uh, you know, with athletic department funds. Not using any e taxpayer money or institutional money or anything like that. It's its athletic department, so trying to uh, get people to be not too worried about the finances. Um, I think the two words you got to use, the accountants like to use, are opportunity cost. Yes, it could have given Larry another year. I don't think it would have gone well, uh, but they could give him another year, and then the buyout would have been even lower, and they would have been a year removed from the pandemic. But how much momentum do you see it in that year? You know, there's been the discussion of giving him another year in the past, and he's gotten it. But the record's gotten worse every year since he we went to the NIT Final Four. He's missed the NCA five years in a row. They were in the NCA or in the NIT the year after um, their last NCA appearance. They were in the NIT Final Four, I think, actually in the NIT title game. Uh, the second year after that, so then the last three nothing. Uh, You know, three games over 500, one game over, one game under. He's 45 and 42 in his last three years. And to put that in perspective, with all that momentum of a a Sweet 16 and an NCAA second round, followed by an NIT and an NIT Final Four, he came up with 45 and 42. Meanwhile, Utah State changes coaches in a league where you don't get as many automatic or you don't get as many uh, at large bids and Utah State's gotten in three years in a row. Twice they won the tournament, and once they got the at-large bid. And BYU made a coaching change, and they've gotten in two years in a row. And I realized there was no tournament last year, and there was no bid, but all all the power rankings, all the metrics, all the Ken Palms of the world had them well into the tournament. So I'm giving them credit for it. That's five for five. For two schools that change coaches locally, that don't have as much money uh, as Utah, certainly don't have the leagues that give you access to so many at-large bids. And, you know, you're in a Power Five, and you check the tournament field every year, they get most of the at-large bids, they get most of the high seeds, and the Utes are falling further and further away from that. So... I think it was going to happen. I think it had to happen. I don't think there was any real choice to be made there, um, unless your boss tells you not to do it because the optics are bad. <laughs> that that would be the reason. Um, so now they'll move on, and we'll see where they go. Now, obviously, there are those of you who follow college basketball locally who say, hey, they ought to look to Craig Smith at Utah State, and they had to look down to BYU and uh, and hire Mark Pope." And you know, make a play for these guys who already know how to get it done in Utah. Who've recruited some local guys and had success here. Um, but a couple things with that: one, although BYU um, doesn't have access to Pac-12 money and power football money, you know they do have deep-pocketed boosters who, if they want to match, they can if BYU wants to. So. Don't know how hard to push the money angle. I don't know what, how far they'd be allowed to push it as far as paying Mark. Um, and I don't know the money's the only thing that matters to Mark. Certainly money matters to everybody, but it's not the only thing that matters. Um, you know, Does he view the, the Pac-12 as a better platform to get deeper into the NCAA tournament? Or does he think he can win more at BYU and in a few years go to a Power 5 league that is more prestigious than the pac 12 <laughs> the Pac-12 hasn't had a champion since Arizona in '97. He's got to play to Kentucky. He's got to play in the NBA. He's got high goals. Um, you know, could he end up in a Big 12 or could he end up in a in a Big Ten school? Um, you know, he played in the SEC. Maybe he'd end up there. You know, I, I don't know where this is going for Mark. Um, So I don't think there's any slam dunks for the U. And then I think from the youth's perspective, you know, Mark Harlan has worked in California and Florida. He's literally worked on both sides of the country. They put in the release that it's going to be a nationwide search. And I expect that's because it's going to be a nationwide search. This is a guy who worked at UCLA and was involved in the basketball program. When Ben Hallin got let go, they let go of it. Coach who won a conference championship, had been to three Final Fours, and literally won the conference title the year he got let go, you know, and it brought in Alfred at that point. He went to USF. He changed some coaches there. Um, so he'd been in Florida, been in California. I expect it'll be a national search. It'll be interesting to see if he tries to pull somebody in with NBA ties. You know that that's a factor. Uh, but do, if you bring him out of the NBA, you know what kind of what kind of recruiting network do they have? Um, does he find a coach who's uh, successful at a lower level a non-Power 5 school? And there are a lot of ways to play this. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Mark Harlan does because, you know, he's been running the athletic department for a while, and I don't want to under, uh, undervalue everything that's got to be done, especially in a pandemic, you know, dealing with all these layoffs and budget cuts and schedules and the Pac-12 commissioner uh, getting forced out and you know, all of that. But signature moves for athletic directors are building facilities – and hired a football coach and hired a basketball coach, well, when Harlan took over the football stadium renovation was already you know the, it was in the pipeline and on the way and so it 's a matter of getting that finished and there'd been a big building boom, a lot of uh, other things on campus had already been done, not everything, uh, but most of the major projects, certainly the football center, and redoing all the basketball facilities and putting in uh, new basketball facilities so you know, with Kyle Rowland, there there wasn't much to do. You know, I mean, don't screw it up certainly. Uh, but this is going to be a major hire. It had to be done, and he did it. And who's he going to bring in? And he'll be judged by that. He won't be judged by what happened with Larry. You know, that's you know kind of the the final chapter in a very long Chris Hill <laughs> Chris Hill marathon. You know, massive. What am I looking for? War and Peace, right? Some one thousand page uh, massive uh, book. Um, because Chris was AD for so long. And this will be be the first big chapter for Mark. It'll be interesting to see what kind of hire he makes. Uh, There's a great tradition at Utah. They've only had nine coaches since the NCAA tournament started. And eight of them have taken a team to the NCAA tournament. Six of them have gone to the Sweet 16. Three of them have gone to the Final Four. So, this is a... Uh, a program that if you add up all the wins in the history of the program, they're top 15 in the country. And if you look at winning percentage, they're top 15 in the country. Four Final Fours, 16 Sweet Sixteens. There's a lot of tradition here. But recently, there isn't much. So it'll be interesting to see who he wants and who he can get and how this plays out. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk BYU football. Spring football is underway there. The Utes are going to have media availability at 8 o'clock this morning. We'll have you covered there. And we've got uh, Kalani Sataki next. Stay with us.
1: Good morning,
0: DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Kalani Sataki, BYU football coach, spring football underway.
1: He's meeting with the media at BYU. Here's Kalani. Now, I wanted to ask about Chaz because we were just talking about his impact on the field as well as off the field and just the impact that him opening up and talking about things like mental health and, and how that's continued to impact the program. Because I know that's an ongoing challenge for, for players and coaches and even academics. He mentioned the
2: academic advisors, everybody to try and deal with those things hmm Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, that's, it's not, not just the football team, but it's everybody in general. You know, I think it's some, something that uh, Tanner Mangum had brought that up when he was playing here. And so I think something that we can rally around, we we don't want to hide from it or, um, ignore it, you know? So I think that's something that we've done as an athletic department and as a football team is hire people that are specialized in that that can help our players. Um, and I know the school is taking the right steps to getting the right people to help a student body. You know that that may um, struggle with that, and even uh, faculty and staff. So I think I think something that's real that you have to deal with, and, and one of those things that you just can't ignore. And so, uh, any opportunity that we can have to help our lives get better, I'm, I'm all for it, and definitely just excited that we have that opportunity to get our players in, in a better position to feel comfortable and and to, you know to get through some things and, and battle adversity.
1: You know, I'm sure looking back as a player, you remember it was handled very differently, you know, at that time period than it is now. How, how, how proud are you of the progress that maybe that's being made to help these kids and and help the coaches and everybody address these things and be do it more healthy in a, in a more healthy fashion?
2: Yeah. I say let's, let's keep it rolling. I mean, anything we can do to improve people's lives, that's, that's what I'm all about. And if there's a way that we can, help um, someone uh, with their life and help them feel better about things. And then I think it's important that we do it. I don't think it should be, I would like it to move as quickly as possible and to help as many people as possible. It's, it's what's happening in technology. It's what's happening in life is that we find ways to do things better. And, um, you know, so I, I think something, something in regards to like regarding mental health and, um, overall health, I think we could we could move as quickly as possible. That I'd be a, I'd be all in favor for that.
3: Hey Kalani, uh, Fessy told us Thursday, I think it was that uh, it's pretty even in practice between offense and defense. Um, has that? Do you agree with that? First, and then is that a good sign for the defense, which is supposedly a little younger, a little less experienced than the offense?
2: I think if you're looking at the eleven on eleven stuff, yeah, that, that favors. Both sides have had their, their uh, have done well, and then, and um, and then they've had some issues and some, some. Those are things that we had to do better. But I think this has probably been. Um, I would agree with Fessy if he said that it was a little bit more evened out. I, I think that this has been one of those times in where um, one isn't just completely dominating the other, and I think it probably means that we have. A, some pretty good depth on our team, and and that our guys have been working really hard. And not a lot of—I would have to say—it's not a lot of missed assignments either. So uh, the mistakes that we're making are things that have to do with uh, technique and uh, very correctable. But uh, I like the fact that we have a lot of talent out there. And we got to keep developing it, and, and I like that the defense is—you is, uh, know—everybody knows that they're young, but um, they're they're definitely able to, to play, and they have the capabilities and talents to make it work. So. Uh, that, that's right now in practice ball, you know, when we get an option where they, you know, when you're playing a real game and those emotions, it's just different. So what we're trying to do is simulate as much as possible so that the muscle memory takes over and we can have guys that, that you know, in a time where they're facing all those different emotions going into a game that they can rely on the muscle memory to take over. And, and there's no other better, better way to do it than 11 on 11 ball.
4: All right, let's go with Jake and Hans.
3: Kalani, you guys are entering week three, if I'm not mistaken, now of spring ball. Uh, at this point, as you mentioned, you, you're trying to simulate as much as possible game reps, that type of stuff to get guys up to speed. But what can you do to keep guys engaged, And guess, in the quote-unquote dog days here the, the, as you hit the midway point?
2: No, I mean, if, if they're getting bored now, then, and we're obviously not practicing long enough, you know, and, and so... Uh, I think these guys have been waiting for this moment to play ball. And, and you could tell that there was a lot of excitement going into practice one. And I'd say that they've kept that, they've kept the passion and the energy going on. And um, I think that's just kind of this, what's, what's been the uh, what's happened from the pandemic is that there's just a lot more appreciation and that goes into it and, and, and they don't take anything for granted. So I'm I'm really thankful that these guys bring it every time and, and even the young guys do it. You know, there's a lot of energy going on. So, um, it's really competitive, so there's a few fights here and there because guys want to compete, want to win. And so I, I haven't seen any letdown in all the practices so far, and it's not to me. It's not. It's not been even an issue. But I, I, I credit the coaches for keeping things um, uh, installed and keeping things rolling, but also just trying to change the different emphases, whether working on the red zone or two minute situation, four minute. Um, you know, we're, we're working on so many different things that our players just actually love it, and I like to think that our guys are big time students of the game and want to keep working on their craft and, and, and making things better. And so, there's an opportunity for our guys to learn. I, I would have to say, them studying more film. It's it's been it's kind of it's been a very contagious part of our program. Is that uh, the film study has taken over and become so much more independent, and even players watching a a lot more film than they had in the past and and that's probably happened in the last year and it's carried over to this year so um i I don't know if that's anything that we do specifically other than the coaches and the players just really buy into what we're doing as a program and they see that it creates winning winning programs uh, Kalani, if we would have had iPads back in our day, we would have watched more film, so <laughs> hey, uh, You're going to seem really old now, Hans <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, hey, uh, we, we were talking with Coach Witt today on air and he mentioned he had 120 kids in spring ball, uh, where are you guys at numbers wise and what does that do how does that change spring ball for you guys kind of having an overload numbers yeah, we're the same, but we, you know, we we've been able to play a lot more um, in the past. You're, you're you're not getting that high of numbers, but I think now, um, I think for them they had a lot of guys coming back, and for us it's a, it's a lot of newcomers. But uh, you know, you're able to play a lot more football, and and what happens when you play a lot more football? there a lot of guys end up getting banged up, and we've had enough of those. But um, we're not really going to stop playing football. We have to keep it rolling and. I mean, there's an emphasis on on taking care of each other, and being smart, but there's also an emphasis on uh playing football and, and playing eleven on eleven. So uh that's just we had to kind of balance it out. There's there's a there, it's 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 one of those balancing acts that you have to do as a coaching staff to kind of feel how the the, the feel the team, the health of the team, and then how much do we really want to push these guys and. I think, I think we've, we've got to figure it figured out for right now up to this day and we'll see how it works tomorrow, but it's an ongoing thing. It's one of those things that you can't just set in stone. You have to be able to feel it out day to day. Go ahead, Ben. Coach, I, I know
3: quarterback competitions are always of uh, the most interest. Um, in your opinion, what, what are some of the key factors of a quarterback competition when you're trying to figure out who is the guy? Um, you've gone through a bunch from since arriving at BYU. It seems every year there's something going on. Uh, have you guys figured out like all the different factors and tenets that you guys are looking at?
2: Yeah, so uh, a good question. I think you're looking at, at um some sometimes when you're when you're competing for a spot, you you look at okay, this is a, a two man race. You know what I mean? And you can kind of figure out who's going to be the starter. And um, I never really liked that. I always liked it when I have too many guys to figure out. And so we're in a position now where I think we have a good group and I'm actually impressed with all the guys and a done a great job coaching them. And um, I, I feel like there's a lot of guys that are capable of helping us win games. And so uh, if you're looking in regards to quarterback, I feel comfortable with four guys right now and the way that they've progressed. Now, eventually we're going to have to get to a point where we're going to need to focus on, uh, whittle it down and make sure that we can get as many reps as we can to the guys that we have to get ready for the season. Um, and we're starting to do that a little bit. So we'll see how, how the scene breaks down in the next little bit. But uh, I can tell you that I like being in a position where there's a bunch of them, you know what I mean? And, and so you can't have too many O-linemen and uh, you find the five best and then you start them. And then the next five are the backups and then you, maybe hopefully have five more you know so quarterbacks hopefully we have one play the best one and then the second one's not that far off neither is the third one neither is fourth and that's what we're looking at and, and, and if you want to if you want to get more depth on the team then you got to have quality players that can do it and, and that's just more than just one position that's in all of them I feel really good about where we're at right now so in regards to quarterback that carries over to everybody else uh just, I want to have as many as possible and make it really difficult to decide on who was the best one. And it'll show though in time, it'll show.
3: As a, as a follow-up real quick, Kalani, um, uh, pre-draft there are many NFL analysts that in evaluating the film offensively, and especially Zach Wilson, they talk about the pro concepts that are implemented into the offense. Um, how, How much credit does, does Aaron Roderick deserve for that? In uh, in those 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 schematics et cetera. and and what could you say about Aaron Roddick that that is is you know that separates him maybe from coaches out there um, in what he's doing offensively.
2: Arod is a great coach and a great he has a great mind. He's been around some of the best coaches in, in football, um, and then whether it's a graduate assistant or an assistant or coordinator. The guy has soaked up so much football that he, he can he can tell what scheme fits the best guy, you know, for the quarterback and for the talent that we have on the team. And and the best part about him is that he's all, all about the players. And so it's not just that he's coaching Zach Wilson last year. I saw him coaching the whole group. And so every quarterback that was here on the roster got better last year during the season. You know, and, and that's that's uh, speaks to how special he is as a teacher, and I'm going to talk about him because he won't do it himself, but he, he knows what he's doing. I trust him, and he's been a big part of our success here, you know, since he got here, and and he, he knows a lot of football, and, and he knows how to get his guys to, to be efficient and throw the ball well. And so uh, I trust him, and yeah, I, 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 think he's, I think he's brilliant when it comes to game football. He's going to hate that I'm talking about him like this, but he also doesn't care to beat his chest and have everyone talking about him. I think people know his capabilities and other coaches know him. And And I think he's in a really good spot right now, um, especially running the program. And, and it was a quick, easy decision uh, with the coordinator job when, when that did happen, because I felt like he's a big part of what, what we do here, you know, offensively. So did I answer that? Yeah. He, I, he yeah, doesn't I think... care about who gets credit for what. I'm just going to tell you, he doesn't, that's not his... That's not why he does things is to get credit for, for how smart he is and how he he does things with the offense. He's just going to go to work and 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 doesn't really matter who gets the credit. He just as long as it, it focuses on the players and that's a perfect fit for what I want. I want an offensive coordinator.
3: Yeah, and and to that point, I guess the the thing that I'm getting at is many in the NFL world are seeing these pro concepts implemented into BYU's schematics, which makes Zach and his transition to the next level all that much easier. So, and a lot of them are passing concepts um, and some of it's run game too, but a lot of it's passing concepts that we saw.
2: Yeah. And, and, a, and a big part of that is, is putting them in a position to throw their best balls. Right. So, um, looking at, at A-Rod and the way he does his his game planning is, okay, what's, you're know, looking at baseball, what's Zach's best pitches, you know, and let's put him in a position where he can throw that over and over and over again and give him a change up and work on things that can help, help him become, you know, a total player at, at QB. And then let's work on his athleticism, see what we can do to help um, everyone see how, you know, what utilizes utilize his athleticism so we can score points. And uh, he's done a great job with that. And, and I think he's doing a really good job this spring working with Jaron and Baylor and Sojay and and Jacob getting those guys in position to have success. So, yeah, I I think uh, it does. The pro game is so different because you're looking at all these different throws that everyone's throwing, and um, you know our quarterbacks. Your best throws are going to be the one that you feel the most comfortable with and throw the most accurate. And so, A Rod finds a way to get those guys in those positions.
4: All right, let's take a final question from Jake.
3: yeah, Kalani. Building off that just a little bit, obviously Zach's in the middle of this pre-draft process. How many conversations have you had with NFL personnel to this point about him?
2: Many, yeah. Uh, myself and A. and 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 um, you know fessy We we talked to a lot of different people um, about Zach, but also a bunch of, about a lot. We have a lot of prospects that I think will fit the NFL, and, and it's generating a lot of interest. So yeah, of course we, we're having these conversations and. I think a lot of people want to get to know him uh, person, person personality, like type of leader that he is, how he, how he um, connects with others, you know? And, and uh, that's why I think they're, they're doing their homework, but there's also, I think that's also why he's, he's um, a fast riser is because you're talking to all these people that are around him and you guys have known Zach for the last three years here playing, you know? So imagine if someone asked you your impressions of him, you guys would would have some really good things to say, and it probably raises his his, uh, his draft stock even more. So, you know, maybe I should ask you guys if you guys if they're talking to you too, and see how he does in interviews and things like that. But I think that you know, if you're running a team, you're going to try to make sure that you get the right pick, and and uh, and if you're going to make moves like the NFL is doing right now with free agency coming up to it, you know, you're probably going to. You going to trade and do all, all this other things and make moves in, in, the, in the draft, and you probably need to make sure that you you do everything to make sure that you get all the background and and, and every pick that you you do, and you make sure that's the right one. So that's it's a lot of fun that we're working with it, and we'll be able to see him throw next week in pro day. I think he's gonna do a great job.
0: There's BYU football coach Kalani Sitake. When we come back, the best of the Jazz post-game show. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz get the victory in Boston. They beat the Celtics. It was not a perfect game. There were stretches that were quite ugly. But. There were also stretches that were really good, and you've got to be competitive enough to make big plays and big moments. And the Jazz did that. Donovan Mitchell was not shooting the ball well. Uh, hit two enormous three-pointers late in the game. Mike Conley hit a big one, too. And the Jazz uh, kind of held off the Celtics and got the win. Jake's here with the best of the postgame show.
5: It's your Jazz recap here on DJMPK 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. Jazz get back to their winning ways. Last night in Boston, coming up with a win over the Celtics uh, by the count of 117-109. to 109. The Jazz now 29 and 10 on the season Uh, they were led by Donovan Mitchell at 21 points, Jordan Clarkson with 20 coming in off the bench Uh, Rudy Gobert with another great night, 16 points 12 boards, 4 block shots, Mike Conley 17 points, 5 assists and uh, the Jazz come away with uh, with the win for the Celtics Uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have nice nights, Tatum had 29, Brown had 28 But uh, after getting up uh, on the Jazz early in the first quarter, it was really a battle, and the Jazz ended up uh, winning somewhat comfortably in the end. Let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start with head coach Quinn Snyder.
4: Okay, we'll start with Tony Jones, the Athletic.
2: Okay. Coach, you guys haven't played a ton of clutch minutes um, this season um, because you guys have been so good uh, overall. What does it mean in games like this against a good team on the road? to not only be able to, to to play clutch minutes per se, but to, to make the right plays uh, down the stretch like you made tonight?
6: Well, it's important. You know, I think, you know, our, our guys in the second half, when we started defensive rebounding and, you know, got some things um, in transition and built a little bit of a lead. And we were able to, to really execute on both ends, I, th- I thought, late. Um, Donovan, obviously, with a, with a huge bucket. Um, you know, he and Mike working together, well, I think is, you know, a heck of a combination for a slate where we have, you know, different places we can go. But I just, I liked our confidence. Um, and we were able to get some good shots. They, you know, Boston does a great job, you know, with their activity and their pressure on the ball. And, you know, we had a few moving screen situations. It's hard against them because they're so aggressive. But I thought our guards did a really good job. Um, And I mentioned, you know, I thought Donovan's three was just a a big bucket.
4: Next up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune.
7: Quinn Rudy was pretty dominant in that fourth quarter, especially down the stretch. What were you seeing out of him that made him so effective late against the Celtics?
6: Well, I I think one of the things and we've talked about Rudy is his activity, um, his ability to do multiple things on defense and to make multiple effort plays. Um, You know, and when we're solid, Um, The other four guys are on the court. You know, he has a chance to be even more impactful. And I I thought, you know, really the biggest thing with Rudy um, is our ability to communicate um, with him and with whoever's in in the game or in the action um, because that that allows him to to make plays.
4: Ben Anderson, KSL
6: you found a way to get
3: Bogey involved in the post a little bit. What, what's the last, you know, seventy-two hours been like for him, and and then to see him kind of pay off in the in the late second half of the game.
6: Well, he, he's a, he's a clutch player, and you know I, I mentioned before, you know he's he's a guy that's been been finding his rhythm as the season goes on, and you know I have so much confidence in him. Whether it be, you know, he got going tonight on the post. Um, I thought he made, you know, in addition to. Scoring the ball, getting fouled. He made a couple great passes out of the post as well. So we need Boyan to be effective, and he was great tonight. And I just want him to play. You know, don't think, just play and be aggressive. And that's what he did.
4: David James, ktv
0: Coach, the turnovers got cut more than in half in the second half. The total really went down. I think it was 11 in the first, four in the second. What do you attribute that to?
6: Well, I think, you know, at the beginning of the game, um, they it, it had to get cut down because we were on pace to have about 50. Um, you know, we, I think we had six in the first, you know, five minutes or something like that. Um, one of them being an offensive foul. But, you know, it, it just being solid and, and, and being precise with the ball, and it was good to see us, you know, find a focus there, and that's something obviously that we've talked about, and that you know we'll continue to try to do better in our execution with that.
5: There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder as his team wins one seventeen to one oh nine over the Boston Celtics. Let's now hear from the players. Let's start things off with Rudy Gobert.
4: All right, we'll get started here. First question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey Rudy, so
7: you were plus sixteen in the fourth quarter alone tonight. What was working for you so well down the stretch?
8: I think I just try to, you know, really lock in uh, and do all the little things that the team needs to (gasps) to win this game and you know I think we we did a great job playing defense in fourth and uh and uh, and I think you know we we did a good job from for the most part at the end you know executing and you know we were about to get to the line because they were they were falling and uh and when we get the stops and we set our defense it was uh it was hard for them to score in, in half court
4: Sarah Todd Deseret News Rudy what do you think the the difference was between the defense maybe in the first half versus the second half?
8: I mean, I think we our physicality went up you know, as the game went on Uh, I think I was Personally, I was better in the, in the end than I was in the beginning. And uh, and I think, you know, we did, uh, uh, we turned, you know, we turned the ball over uh, way too much in the first half, and they scored a lot of points of these turnovers. So uh, as soon as we, we started to play better offensively, we, it was harder for them to score. And, you know, we, we say all the time, but when we, when we set our defense and we make the other team play in half court, it's a, it's a different game.
4: Ben Anderson, kslsports.com.
8: Rudy, I think you
3: have 20 blocks in your last five games now. is Are you doing something differently that's allowing you to block shots? Are you helping more aggressively or, or what's causing it?
8: Um, the, the funny thing is that I, I don't really chase blocks. You know, I, I don't think you know. Some games I'm, uh, I'm I might get seven blocks, six blocks, but that doesn't mean I, I I necessarily play better defense. Some games I get zero blocks and I play great defense because guys are not even getting shots up around me. So uh, guys are challenging me, you know. So I I gotta keep you know being there and uh, and I gotta keep you know doing what I do and. Uh, and when they don't challenge me, it's a win too. So you know, uh, you know, I'm just gonna keep keep being active. You know, keep making sure I make the right decisions. Uh, and uh, you know, if guys gonna keep challenging me, I'm gonna be there to build the shots.
4: David James, KUTV.
0: Rudy, I know the games are coming fast and furious every couple of days, but does this win feel just? A little better to beat a team with a couple of stars and a winning record and to do it on the road when things didn't go well early. Did, does it just feel better and feel good?
8: it feels good because we play defense and uh you know at the end of the day win lose obviously we, we try to win every night but you know some games you, you play bad defense you play you don't play great but you win and tonight I really felt like we we locked in defensively and uh you know it's a great game to 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 build on and uh, and, and you know we that's the team we want to be and we know that you know we we shoot a lot of trees we try to get to the rim but you know we know that uh on night when we, maybe we don't make as many threes. Uh, if we don't play defense, we, it's a little harder for us to win. And when we play defense, you know, we, we get a position to win every night. And, uh, and when it's playoff time, uh, we know that the defense is going to be the key for us to, to get where we want to go.
4: Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune.
3: I want to ask about that block you had on Jalen Brown early in the fourth quarter and two things about it. One, kind of what was your focus there? What were you trying to do when you end up isolated out him on the perimeter? And two, I, you know, I think there's a time in your career where you may have like flexed after that block rather than running down the court and getting that dunk. You know, what, how have you developed and kind of that get to the next play mentality?
8: I think it comes with, uh, with experience. You know, I know that uh, those, those little moments, Uh, when you lose your focus, whether it's talking to the ref, uh, whether it's, you know, talking to to another player, uh, flexing. I mean, I still flex sometimes, but, uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, those little moments at the end of the day make the difference. And when I'm able to keep my mind focused on, you know, what's important and on the next play, you know, instead of being... You know, instead of making a difference of just getting the block, you know, I'm about to get the block and the dunk, and it's a four point swing, you know. So it's those are the details, I think, that make the difference between a, a good and great player.
5: That was Rudy Gobert 16 points, 12 rebounds, an assist, and four block shots for Rudy as he was very good last night against the Boston Celtics. Let's keep the post game sound rolling. Let's now hear from Donovan Mitchell.
4: First question Ryan Miller, KSL.
5: Hey, Don, um, you guys haven't played a ton of clutch time minutes.
3: Can you just kind of explain how those feel differently than the ones leading up to them?
9: Um, I think the biggest thing is just how we execute. I think we've had a few games where we've been in in that situation, you know, um, and we've executed. We may not have won every time, but we've executed. You know, I think tonight we did a good job of it. Um, a few mistakes, but, you know, I think overall, I think we did a solid job just executing getting the looks we wanted, run the plays we wanted, how we get there. Um, And it may not always result in a win, but, you know, as long as we execute the right way, you know, I think that's what we can ask for. And I mean that on both ends of the floor, Um, you know, because they're a talented team. They're going to hit shots. They're going to do a lot of good things on offense and also play really good defense, you know. And I think for us, just being able to execute on both ends of the floor, I think it made the difference.
4: Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune.
9: Uh, Donovan, in that
3: last kind of seven-minute stretch, you come in and, you know, there's the turnover, missed shots and stuff. And then in the last four minutes, you, you know, really won the game with those two threes. Was it a difference in terms of execution, kind of in in the simplicity of what you were doing or kind of how did you approach that? Uh, the, I that
9: mean, the, the first tour, you know, with the blitz, you know, kind of short. <laughs> uh, so they had uh, Robert Williams and Tatum on me. I could have just called the timeout. Um, but I'm stuck in that in that corner. That's a tough one on me. Um, shoot, the, I'll take the floater, you know, the miss floater. I'll take the – there was another turnover I had. It's just little things that I can fix. Um, but it's all fixable. It's all things that I can look from and build off of. But, you know, when it's time, it's time. You know, and I think you just can't afford to have mistakes in those moments. I've had moments where I've made those mistakes under four minutes. You know, but for me, it's all about the next play. You know, if I'm out here worrying about – the turnovers or the missed shots, then you know, I'm not gonna be able to do my job, uh, which is close out games. And you know, when you have when you're going against a team like that, you know, who has multiple weapons like we do as well on their offensive ends, trying to keep the lead as, as big as possible because you know, they may make they made a few shots at the end, like they like they did. You know, if those shots don't those threes don't go, and I don't make those plays, or my teammates don't find ways to give me the ball to make those plays, then maybe a different situation.
4: Next up, Ben Anderson, KSL Sports.
9: Donovan, how do you handle that
3: label hero ball versus, you know, actual hero and kind of the pressure that comes with making the right choice or making the wrong choice and you're either kind of the goat or, you know, the hero?
9: (laughs) Um, That kind of just comes with the territory, to be honest. You know, you're – Oh, man. It's, it's, it's funny you say that. I think it just comes with my, my job. You know, it comes with, you know, what I've been given, the opportunity I've been given since my rookie year. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, sometimes shots that everyone takes, I take. I, I, everyone doesn't take, I take, you know, as part of my role. And, you know, it's called hero ball to some, but not to me. It's the shots I work on, you know, shots that may look tough for the shots I put hours and hours in, in the summer. Whether they fall or not is about whether I execute. And, and sometimes it's just make or miss. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not even just about hero ball as far as shooting. It's making the simple play too, um, and I've gotten progressively better at that. I can get better at that, but you know, for me, it comes with like really my job. It comes, it comes with that having the ball late. You know, you got to be able to think through everything, think the game, find the plays. And whether I'm labeled, it's labeled, uh, labeled hero ball. I, I really don't care. Um, I think my teammates and my coaches want me to put the ball at the end of the game, and that's all that matters. I know what I can do late in the game, and that's that.
4: David James, KTV.
9: Donovan,
0: turnovers have been a problem since the All-Star break, really for two and a half games, even at the start of this one. But in the second half, only four for the whole team. What happened that that turned around so dramatically?
9: Um, execution. I think we did a good job, like I said, of just being able to be precise, knowing what we do. You know, I got to give credit to everybody, you know, up and down. JC coming in, and making reads. Mike, Boyan, uh, George, Joe, Rudy making pass, passes out of the blitz. Fave as well. That's really all it is just simplicity, um, keeping it simple and just being able to, to execute as far as, you know, being precise with our passing, with our precision, whatever it may be. And I think that's really where we turned our level up because um, we were, you came in like, man, we're only up one, you know, we're not really playing our best. So I kinda in our heads like we can be reaching another level and um be in good shape. Excuse me.
4: Eric Walden, Lake Tribune.
7: Don Rudy has a pretty incredible block on the on Jalen jump shot attempt in the fourth and then that turns into you know him getting a a dunk on the other end Rudy was pretty dominant that whole fourth quarter once he once he got in there what did you see out of him tonight in terms of what was working for him late that that maybe wasn't earlier in the game
9: Um, I think he just set a tone in the fourth you know I think it's he knows when he knows it's his time on the defensive end, especially, you know, I think, you know, in the beginning of the game, it was kind of indecisive. We all were. And I think with him, you know, you saw late, he was, he blocked the shot, sprinted the floor and got a dump. Like that's the epitome of what we want him to do and what he can be really, really good at. And I think that was really, he put his mind to it, you know, um, and he's, he's he's done a great job of that, you know, finishing, dunking the ball instead of missing the layup on, you um, Tatum, uh, Jason Tatum, you know, he lays the ball up, you know, it's different when he's like, dunking on ties. you know, I think that's the level, you know, from here to here, you know, and it's little things, you know, and I, he, he saw it, we know, he knows it and he, he went out there and did it, especially in the fourth and, you know, on all fronts, just being there, I think it his presence definitely yeah. alters shots, changes things. And he understands that he took it to another level in the fourth. Sir Todd, Desert News.
4: Don, we saw a couple of like heated moments between you and (laughs) Jalen. I know that you guys are close. When you're when you're close with a guy like that, does that make sort of that on-court rivalry a little bit hotter? Like, you know each
9: other so much, you want to go at each other? Yeah, I mean, it's what's fun. You know, I love I love playing Boston, and I think they say the same thing because we're all cool with each other, you know? Like, I grew up knowing Jason and, and Jalen. Kemba narrated my uh, AU team's documentary. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've played against Tremont Waters in, in high school, so, like, I know a lot of guys on the team, and I think it's what makes it fun. Um, I think, you know, that right there, was was nothing. It was just you know, he hit me, so I hit him Back. simple as that but you know that's my guy those are my guys and it makes the game fun I think being able to go out there and just kind of put on the show and, and try and execute the best for our team and I think that's what makes us um, special and it's, it's fun to see to the, the, the come up especially for the, the three of us young guys that kind of coming up and, and doing our thing I think it's, it's pretty dope.
5: There's Donovan Mitchell 21 points for Donovan, 5 assists 2 rebounds you heard him uh, talk about hero ball and playing in the clutch Donovan hit a big time 3 in the 4th quarter to really put this one away and seal the Deal for the Jazz victory. Let's continue on with Jordan Clarkson.
4: Hey Jordan, we'll start with Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Hey Jordan, I heard on the on your walk off interview that Quinn had kind of gotten after you a little bit after the Golden State game about um, maybe passing out, making plays for other guys. Can you maybe be a little bit more specific about what that conversation was like and what you took away from it?
10: Uh, I mean, he ain't really like. I mean get get on me, but we had a conversation about it, you know what I mean? Um it was just about uh just making plays, uh what it does for the team and and all that. So I just uh you know took it to heart and uh you know he showed it. he actually it was me and Don. He showed us film and stuff. Uh we talked about it. Um you know, just you know, just another growth, growth part of my game. Um, that I'm trying to, you know, keep uh, keep improving on.
4: Were there certain plays maybe that he was talking about that you should like be passing out of or certain instances?
10: Well, I mean, it was it was certain plays that Warriors game that I even you know brought up to him where I felt like, um, you know, I, I I was taking a bad shot or making a wrong play and uh, doing that. So at that time. <clears throat> you know when we're sitting in there you know having our one-on-ones having that conversation with him is a lot easier just because of the relationship that we have um but yeah just uh you know i can remember the play like it was what well, was kind of yesterday but you know it was a play where royce was kind of running down the middle and uh you know he had it and i shot a transition three when i should have passed to him it was a two-on-one basically with him royce uh, Draymond and uh, Boyan in the corner that, you know, probably could have changed the game and just changed the flow and the energy uh, of the game. So, uh, just something that I'm trying to keep continue to grow on and uh, keep continue
7: to, to work on.
4: Eric Walden, Salt
7: Lake Tribune. Yeah. So, JC, speaking of that, you had that play to Rudy with about, like, nine minutes left in the fourth quarter where you cut down the lane and you kind of threw that no-look pass to him for the, for the dunk. Just... How do you, like, how comfortable do you feel making plays like that? And, and what kind of chemistry have you developed with with Rudy over the time that uh, you've been there?
10: Um, you know, I feel comfortable making those plays, uh, especially when they're there. You know, Rudy's a pretty big target, and, um, you know, I've uh, had a chance to, you know, build this relationship with him. Um, You know, he coming to me every other time out uh, telling me, you know, what the reads are. and stuff like that. So, us having that open dialogue makes everything easier. And I know if uh, you know I ever get in trouble, I could just throw it to the moon. I mean, he's like seven three, and
5: you know he's pretty long. So, uh, if anybody switches out, he'll be able to catch it and, and make a play as well. That was Jordan Clarkson. He had twenty points coming in off the bench. Five of ten from three. Six of sixteen from the field. Hit four threes in the first half, right when the Jazz needed it. Came in and was instant offense, and the Jazz win. Needed that win last night against Celtics. They got it. One seventeen to 109 uh, Up next, the Jazz will be in the nation's capital, taking on the Wizards, coming up tomorrow night. That game will tip off at 5 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 4.
0: There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.